morning, everybody. A new bumper means a new sermon series. Uh, that's courtesy of Justin Simmons. He's got us almost dancing in here. I mean, he's, he's making Proverbs sound cool. Uh, open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1. If you're new to your Bible, then open it up right in the center, uh, and you're going to fall either in Proverbs or, or the Psalms. If, you, if it says Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, go to the right. And if, obviously, if you fall into Proverbs, then just go to the, the first chapter there. We're going to be looking at the first through the seventh verses today as we open up our series. Um, also, with your other hand, go to Matthew 7. We're going to look at that. We're going to start there, actually. Um, for a few minutes. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to pray and then we'll get going. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for um, this weekend. Uh, We celebrate our country's independence and uh, we celebrate freedom. Uh, That's what Americans do. And Lord, we are a grateful people and a grateful nation. Uh, Sometimes we look around, we look at the news, we look at Facebook and we see uh, negativity all around us. There's so many reasons that we come up with to, to dislike uh, where we live, government officials, and, and some of the things that we see going on in our country. But today, we need to be thankful. Uh, there's no country, there's no nation like the United States of America. Um, and, and Lord, it would be wrong to say that uh, we, we are still one nation under God. There's, there's a plurality of, of gods here that we worship. Uh, there's all kinds of things that that uh, we need your help in in regards to our nation. But today, as we celebrate the 4th of July, uh, even ahead of that day, we uh, we say thank you for, uh, we're grateful to be a part, to be born and raised in this great nation. We thank you for the leaders you've given us. Uh, We pray, um, God, that you would uh, give us what we need, not what we always ask for. And, And Lord, help us, help our officials, uh, help those Christians who are dispersed throughout the land, not to complain, not to gripe and, and bicker, Lord God, to, but to pray, to lift our voices, to thank you for, uh, for being God over our lives and, Lord, to, to project that over our nation. So, Lord, we say thank you. Uh, we say thank you also for uh, your word today. As we open up this, this book of Proverbs, Lord, we're praying for one thing, that you would help us to get wisdom. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start a new series. It's going to go through the summer, and that series is, uh, is in the book of Proverbs. Um, the goal of the series is very simple. We want to get wisdom. That's what we've called it, uh, entitled it, that um, we're not going to go through the whole book. That would take us probably three months or so. We're going to look at uh, specific themes throughout the book. Today is going to be a simple introduction to that book. Uh, undoubtedly, some of you have some experience with Proverbs. When I became a Christian, uh, I was at West Point as a cadet, and uh, I had two peer mentors, and these, these are great guys. One was Stephen Michael. He's a, you know, uh, a promotable colonel, going to be a general head pretty soon in the, uh, in the Army. I probably wasn't supposed to say that over the air, but he is. Just, just moved to Hawaii to take over the DCG of the, the 25th there. And uh, Stephen taught me how to pray. My other peer mentor was John, um, John Harmon. And John, I think John was like born from the womb as a Christian. I mean, he just embodied uh, a Christ-like life. And John taught me to read the Proverbs. This is what John told me. He's like, Jeff, I've grown up all my life reading Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Read one a day. And when you only have a month with 30 or less days in it, 
you get, you get like a bonus. You can, read, you can read more. And so I don't know how many years of my life my devotion was at least a part of my devotion was opening up the book of Proverbs and, and reading a, a chapter a day. Many of the scriptures, verses that I first learned as a Christian were, were from the Proverbs. When my kids were young, under 10, I, and we're still homeschooling them. Uh, that was part of our devotion. I wake up, and I mean, we wake up around the, the breakfast table. I mean, the, I mean, the boys, they learn to read early, but, you know, it takes a, a little bit to, to understand Proverbs. But, I mean, that's what we read. We, we open up the Proverbs, and I say, all right, so pick out a verse, and you tell me what you think it means, and then I would help them craft uh, what, the, what the wise man was trying to get them to say. Very simply, the book of Proverbs is, is showing us how to live. And it shows us two paths. It shows us the path of the, of the fool compared to the path of the, of the wise man. And it's commending to us, obviously, to choose, to choose wisdom. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, one of the things I hope that we would get out of this is Jesus is doing the very same thing to us as we're introduced to him in the New Testament. That's what Jesus is doing when we see him uh, sermonizing in the uh, in the Gospels, for example, when Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to father except through me. He's really giving us a treatise on wisdom. He's, he's inviting us, beckoning us to receive a wise life. In uh, the end of the Beatitudes, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those uh, who find it are few. So what's Jesus doing? Again, he's commending to us a, a wise life. More than that, I think he is uh, recapturing the spirit of Proverbs. He's saying there's one way, and he's commending uh, himself as that one way. Wisdom is, is really the way of of, of following Jesus. Jesus is saying, uh, I commend to you the Proverbs, not because they're pithy sayings or, or short, uh, smooth things that, that, that might be fun to think about, but this is God's wisdom. It's, it's wisdom that comes from God himself. And the Proverbs are actually trying to show us how to live, that as we seek wisdom, um, in Jesus' case, we're actually seeking him because Jesus himself embodies wisdom. Turn to Matthew. We're going to begin here looking at a passage that really I'm uh, going to focus on uh, right now, and I'll come back to it a little bit later on. This is Jesus at the end of the Beatitudes, and so he's, he's sermonizing here, and he says this in chapter 7, verses 24 through 20, uh, 27. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does, uh, does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is a parable, but this parable has proverbial language in it. And, and notice what it does that's similar to a proverb. It's contrasting the life of wisdom, wise choices, to that of a fool, foolish choices. 
Turn uh, back to Proverbs, Proverbs 13. We're going to do a little Bible drill today. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. In a sense, Jesus is recapturing this proverb and perhaps some that are like it in what he's saying in his sermon in, in Matthew 7. He's, he's saying the one who hears the word, whose word? My word, the one who receives the commands that are coming out of my mouth, that is the wise person. And that wise person builds his house on a rock, not on the sand. Who's the rock? Jesus is commending himself. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the rock. I, I'm the wise one. I'm the wisest one that's ever lived. And the one who builds his house on Jesus, who follows Jesus, is wise. That really is our main idea today, that the Proverbs are God's wisdom, his divine wisdom in and of themselves to us. But just like every other book in the Old Testament, guess what? It's pointing to the wisest one that ever lived. It's pointing to Jesus himself. The Proverbs teach us how to live and it saying to us, it's the only way to wisdom. And that brings us to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to read these verses out loud together. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's read together. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to you. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, I got a love-hate relationship going on with Facebook. Um, perhaps you uh, understand that too. Here's a, there's some good things about Facebook. Probably, I mean, great things. Firstly, uh, Facebook does connect us socially to a lot of people. I, I think of uh, all of my college classmates, all of my uh, high school friends that sometimes you get you lose contact with as you move away and, and start to do other things. Definitely my extended family. I'm able to keep in, in touch with them, and and you get to see uh, what's going on. Here's the thing about Facebook that I actually like, and you know it's kind of crazy. I mean, you get to be nosy. You get to pe peek into people's lives because we're just nosy people, aren't we? And we want to we want to see what. What people are doing. Um, there's a conversation going on on Facebook that I think is important to know. If you're in a line of work, a profession like I am, where you're dealing with people, then it's important to know what the hum of the, the culture is. And we see that on Facebook. So Facebook has opened really our um, the avenue for, for many of us to, to be able to do that. But other than that, guess what? Facebook sucks. I shouldn't have said it like that, but you know. It's like it's love and hate. Um, and, and here's just this is a picture of my timeline. So you get a picture of, of food that somebody made that you can't tell what it is. <laughs> Another post rants about uh, horrible service at a restaurant. Uh, the next post is political. They're bashing the president again. And the next one is a cat video. It's like <laughs> what? And then following that is an inspirational quote. You know, somebody like spouting out their favorite Bible verse. 
So here's the thing. I mean, how are you supposed to contend with that? I, I think Facebook is robbing us of, uh, of like genuine emotions. We can't lament with those who are really going through a, a difficult time. We can't rejoice with those who are excited about something because frame after frame is something different. It's like tugging at our hearts. But here's the thing that, that I don't like about Facebook is Facebook and not just Facebook, but social media in general, you, you got this news feed. I mean, that's, that's, that's really where not only you're staying in touch with people that you know, uh, acquaintances, getting a pulse of the, the culture, but that's where you're getting like your, your feed of this is what's going on in life if, if you allow it to. And sometimes we will get our wisdom from Facebook. I've seen friends, Facebook friends of mine, who will post, hey, going through a difficult time, you know, what do you think? And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give you two paragraphs of what's going on in their life, and they'll say, what do you think? And then, of course, you get the wisdom of Facebook right there for everybody to see. Facebook and these other social media platforms really have become soundbiteable wisdom for us. We look to these venues to inspire us. We look to them for wisdom. And my point is simply that the Bible commends a better source of wisdom for us. What's that source? It's the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. This is the title of the book. Um, the, the credit is given to, to Solomon as, uh, as the main author. He actually didn't write all of these Proverbs he wrote the majority of them. We're going to find out how he became wise enough to write them in a couple of minutes. But um, Solomon wrote many of them. He wrote a lot of Proverbs, some of them that we don't even know. Many of them were, were peer writers that he captured and, and put in this particular book. He got a lot of them from the ancient Near Eastern cultures that were around him. Uh, but for the most part, we... Uh, we glean from this because Solomon either wrote it or was wise enough to capture it, to compile it. Uh, so what are Proverbs? Um, this is a book of poetry, and, and that's going to turn some of you all off because you don't like poetry. I, I really don't read a lot of poetry. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of a lot of poetry. Uh, it, it's, you know, rhyming words and uh, meters and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's obviously a, 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 a good... Uh, literature genre that we should uh, give ourselves to, but many of us don't. Hebrew poetry obviously is is poetry, but it's a different type of poetry. It's not just rhyming words. It's rhyming concepts and patterns, but it also shows us contrasts of ideas. Uh, there's an A line and a B line in Hebrew poetry. Look at first, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the A line. The B line is right under it. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so there's a first thought and then there's a second thought. And the B line, the second thought, in most cases, is trying to bring clarity to, uh, to, the, to the first thought. At least, and even if it contrasts with it, it's trying to bring that thought out in a, a very specific way. Uh, there, are on, there aren't only contrasting proverbs. There, there are Proverbs that are similes and metaphors that compare and contrast things. Um, but all of these are commentaries on, on our life. And generally, the B line, again, is the one that's going to bring home what the A line, the, the, the stance the A line 
is taking. Proverbs is its own kind of literature, that, which reminds us the Bible is actually a book made up of different genres of, of literature. There's narrative, uh, the whole book of Exodus uh, and Genesis uh, would be narrative. It's telling a story. Then you have the epistles, uh, someone writing a letter from, from me to you, like Titus. We looked at Titus back in February, I think it was. Apocalyptic literature, like the book of Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, the book of Revelation, which is uh, fiery language that talks about Jesus' return and the end of all things. Then you have prophetic books like uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah that God is giving insight to uh, a servant of God to give to, to other people. Proverbs is technically a subcategory of wisdom literature, wisdom literature being the Psalms, um, the Proverbs themselves, the uh, New Testament book of James would be wisdom literature. But then again, Proverbs is its own genre in itself. What is it? It's Proverbs. Uh, this is what a proverb is. It's commonly thought to be a random collection of shotgun sayings. Think about this. Look before you leap. You ever heard that? A stitch in time saves nine. Uh, biblical proverbs, though, are, are more than just shotgun sayings. In Hebrew, proverb means saying, but it's more than just a saying. It, it's truth. It's a compressed parable, like what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7. It takes a little bit of truth, and it shrinks it down uh, and gives it to us. That's what all these Proverbs are. It's, it's portable counsel that you can take along with you. Look at a, let's look at a couple examples. Uh, verse 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. We learn two things here. Firstly, Solomon intended Proverbs to be like a, a instruction from a father to a son, from a, from a, a parent to his, his child. It's, it's like you getting to glean from someone that's wiser than you as he pours out all that he knows that's right in the world to you. And that really is a good picture of what a parent should be doing to uh to a kid. But then in verse 9, really, it's, it's where my point was. Um, it, it's, this is what it's showing us. It's not only that, that Proverbs are portable, but we should be able to, to, to see them. See what he says? They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It's as if you're wearing them uh, so that not only all can see it, but you're aware of it. This is, this is uh, noticeable guidance for you. Again, Proverbs are shrunk down truth. They are sayings that are meant to be memorable, that are meant to be portable and repeatable. General guides for you so that you can live your life as God intended you to. What's that? To the glory of God. They are meant to guide us. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. The end result of a proverb is to teach you how to navigate this world. And I think most of us need that kind of teaching. We need that kind of instruction. Proverbs can convey truth, but it's not absolute truth. Okay? It's, sometimes we can take a proverb and like, all right, this is divine guidance. It's always going to work like this. If I, if I do exactly what it says, life is going to always work like that. I don't think that's really what it's meant to be. Yes, this is wisdom from God, and this is the general way that life and the world works, but to put that, to, to put that stringent um, demand on it that it's always going to work like that would be beyond what the book is committing to us. These are general observations about life and how life operates. Let's look at, look at an example. 
Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. We could look at that and say, you know what? I'm never, ever, ever supposed to be friends or even hang out with someone who's just like angry all the time. Um, you could follow those instructions and, you know, and, and be out of the way of people who are like that. But I don't think the, you know, if God put us in the world to, to be salt and light in the world, it wouldn't make the, the, the word of God wouldn't give you instruction to be salt and light and then say, stay away from everybody who is negative or argumentative. What this is instructing us to do is, you know, we become who we hang around. And so if you aren't careful, then if you are constantly around those who are given to anger, then you may become like them. You may take on uh, their, their bickering and their griping and all those things that are negative about them and become like them. You might become angry. And so it's giving us, uh, you know, a rightful warning. Another example, Proverbs ten nineteen. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I mean, this is a good one for all of us right here. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. What's that? What's that saying? It's saying that sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut. The more you speak, the more you run your mouth, the easier it is to get in trouble and say something that you should not say. Gossip, slander, um, maybe expressing your own pride, saying something that God would say, you know, that's sinful. Uh, and of course, the, the point here, these are guides for us, general observations about life for which you should gear yourself. Uh, Proverbs is meant to convey real life. One uh, commentator said they're meant to be a 3D adventure. Think back to Matthew 7. Jesus says the wise man builds his house on the rock. And so Jesus is, put, I mean, we're going to the movies. He's giving us a pair of 3D glasses. He said, put these on and then listen to this and then tell me what you see. And this is what he says. This is what you should see. Two men are out, you know, in the ville somewhere. And they're both building. One has got some supplies, and he's building a house on a rock. I mean, the foundation goes in. The structure starts to go up. The other man, I mean, this is the land he bought, and it's sandy. The foundation goes in. The structure starts to go up. What they don't know is there's this huge storm brewing in the, in the far, in the, in the way away. That storm comes up, and eventually it's going to ravage the, you know, the whole region and the house that's built on a strong structure on the rock is going to, it's going to stand because the foundation is good. And the one that's on the sand is going to be destroyed. The fool who built his house on the sand is going to be destroyed. He's giving us 3D glasses so that we can try this stuff out. Another commentator said, uh, this is actually one of my peer mentors, uh, uh, my uh, contemporary mentors, Ray Ortland, who wrote a, a great commentary on Proverbs. He says, Proverbs are an immersion into the world to try out truth. And what he means by that is you can read a proverb and have no idea of what, you know, real life would be like doing what the proverb is, is warning us or encouraging you to do. And you can try it out. You can think about it. You can ruminate on it. And before you make the mistake of doing whatever the proverb wants you not to do, you can, you know, live that out in your mind. Look at this example. Proverbs 26 
17. This is a graphic. I, I laugh every time I think about this. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Butting your way into something that has nothing to do with you is a good, uh, is a good way to get yourself hurt. All right. Beeline, you know. Someone who, okay, so A-line, whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, B-line, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. I don't know about you, this is what, this is what goes through Jeff's mind. I've never done this, right? But I'm, I'm ruminating on what could happen. So I'm sitting on my front porch, I got two rocking chairs, and I got a little hedge. I'm drinking my favorite summer beverage, whatever that is. All right, and so I see a, a dog, a passing dog. Okay, and that dog has no owner. That I'm, I'm like embellishing this. This is this is my my vision, right? So the dog has no collar, and uh, instead of in fact, the Hebrew here means like jackal, wild stray dog. That's like warning sign. Don't go near it. Don't go near it. I gotta do it. So I get up. I put my drink down. I'm gonna go over to that dog, and I grab him by the ears and I shake him. Guess what's going to happen? I mean, the, you got wisdom here. It's like one who passes a, a dog by the ears. You're going to get bit, and then you're going to get rabies. <laughs> here it is. This is the counsel. He's, he's telling us the Christian, uh, a Christian doesn't butt his way into everything, especially when it has nothing to do with you. Leave that dog alone. At least that's what I get out of that. Proverbs should be quickly eaten. Like you take guidance like this and you put it down your, your put it in your mouth. You chew it. You chew it. You chew it. You chew it. Rum, I mean, ruminate over it, and then you squ- you swallow it so it becomes part of you, like a piece of gum. Then your grandma tell you, "Don't swallow gum because when you swallow gum, it'll stay in your stomach forever. It'll become part of you forever." I don't know why grandma told us that. You know, your body's gonna spit that stuff back out. All right, so. I like to think this is you all remember the movie Willy, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the one prized thing that the kids were supposed to go in and try and get an everlasting gobstopper. That's what we're supposed to do with a proverb. We're supposed to suck on it. And unlike the pitiful candy that we can get in the store now that costs too much money that dissolves and it's gone. Like, what, what was it? This is a proverb is like an everlasting gobstopper. It never dissolves. It never goes away. I'm supposed to suck on it and suck on it and suck on it. And the nutrients from that, not that a piece of candy has nutrients. I'm sorry, parents. There are no kids in here, right? All right. So the nutrients get into you, and it's as if they move slowly through your digestive system and they become a part of you. And so a proverb is meant not to just memorize it um, and then you're done with it. it you're, it's supposed to become a part of all that you are, you absorb it and you do it. You absorb it and you do it, and it's on a perpetual repeat. So these are the Proverbs. Tiny verses, most of them only seven Hebrew, uh, Hebrew words, 10 to 15 English words, and you apply them to your life so that they would potentially radically change you to make you more wise. And Solomon tells us that we need to heed these. 
Uh, and he tells us that in verse one. Why does he? I mean, how is it that he tells us in verse one? Because it says these are the proverbs of Solomon. Now, behind that, obviously, is is who Solomon is. Solomon was the son of King David, the second um, second king of the united monarchy of Israel and Judah. And when we turn to First Kings chapter three, this is what we learn about about um, about Solomon. Solomon uh, is anointed king, a a commissioned king by uh, David in David's old life. And one day Solomon had gone up to a high place. This was before the temple had been been built. This is before the ark had been brought back to Jerusalem. And Solomon is worshiping at Gibeah and the Lord comes to him. Uh, We find out later it was a dream, but God comes to him and he tells Solomon, Solomon, uh, I see you. I know what you're doing, that you actually love me. Uh, ask me for whatever you will. And Solomon asked. Uh, he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for the defeat of all his enemies. He asked for wisdom. And God honored that. Uh, and in fact, later in the, the chapter, First uh, Kings chapter 3, uh, God says, Solomon, because you did not ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you all the things that you did not ask. And God blessed him with, obviously, with wisdom and fame. There was peace uh, with his enemies all of his days. Uh, Dignitaries from all over the known world would come to Solomon uh, just to peek into the wisdom that he had. And so when we get to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, this is what it says about Solomon. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all the other men, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that's in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. And so, I mean, because God enabled him to, Solomon walked in wisdom more than any man perhaps has ever walked the face of the earth. God enabled him to understand the reality of life, of all kinds of life, not just human life, of plant life, of of animal life, just the way the world system is supposed to work. If you go to Ecclesiastes, that really is uh, um, the lament of Solomon after you know the, the the manifestation of all his wisdom. He said, you know, uh, I'm going to put my mind to test out everything. Okay, and and he does, and he ends up lamenting because he's figured out, you know, life is vanity. All right, but that's a different sermon for a different day. Here's the thing. Here's what I think we're supposed to take from this. Um, I think right here, right now, God is, is, is welcoming us to, you know, to like Solomon, uh, not necessarily like Solomon, but to glean from the wisdom that Solomon uh, gained from God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That he's saying uh, we, can, we can really sit under Solomon's feet and heed the wisdom that he learned because the wisdom that Solomon, I mean, writes in that we that's reflected in the book of Proverbs, this is God's wisdom. This is God speaking to us. And here's the thing. This is this is why we need the book of Proverbs. This is why it's so important for you. Um, if, if it's ever never been a part of your devotional diet, this is why Proverbs is important to you. It's because we all lack wisdom. 
I mean, that's that's not a rebuke. It's just truth. We all lack wisdom. We need to both hear and uh, I mean, just like digest this book. I'm told uh, that when a person has a deficiency of of iron in their body, they need I mean, they need help. Right. Uh, If you have low iron, then you're going to be sluggish and tired and weak and you're maybe susceptible to headaches. And the way that's remedied is to to use iron supplements and to have an iron infused diet. It's the same thing with this book of Proverbs. We're born with a wisdom deficiency. There's no kid born to, you know, that comes out of the womb that has the wisdom that they need to have because of the sin in our world and the sin in our lives. Um, We are born foolish, idiotic people. I know some of you are smart, but that doesn't mean that you're wise. My favorite proverb is Proverbs 14, 12. And I say this a lot because it, I need to be reminded. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, its way is death. We have a natural disposition to think that we know and understand how the world works. But this is what God says. He's like, absolutely not. You need help. You don't really know what's going on. Our default way is to actually, uh, I mean, destruct ourselves because we think that we know all that we need to know to order our lives and to order our world. But the Proverbs, which ultimately points to the wisdom of Jesus, invites us to a sanctified reorientation toward living our lives to the glory of God. Verse 2. So Solomon says, to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight. This, This is what the Proverbs promise us, that we would Um, avail ourselves to it, and it would help us to know wisdom, and then we would gain insight. When we sit down with this book, we're getting instructed by not just uh, smooth words that sound right when we say them. This is God speaking to us, giving us his his, his wisdom. And really, the rest of this this text here that we're looking at today, verses 2 through 6, is Solomon, um, you know, one by one, giving us the benefits of this book. And here's what he says we get. Verse 2. Here he says we get uh, wisdom, to, to know wisdom, to, and, and instruction, to understand words of insight. So three important words there, wisdom, instruction, and insight. Into what? Into how your life is God meant for your life to be, how God designed the world, and all that, that, that it entails. It gives us insight and wisdom into that. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing. That's, that's how to relate to, to other people in a right kind of way. But then it says, you'll know righteousness. Uh, what is that? That's being in right standing with God. You'll be more equipped to walk with God so that your life is uh, glorifying him. You'll learn justice and you'll learn how to live equity. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. Uh, you'll learn prudence. Prudence is not a word that we use uh, a lot now. It's, it's kind of a, uh, a formal word. The, the Hebrew uh, definition of that is shrewdness or, or cleverness. Uh, to say it culturally, is you won't get stumped. You'll, you'll know how to navigate your life so that, again, your life is doing what God intended for your life to do. It's glorifying God. Not only that, you get knowledge and discretion. You get purpose and vision for your life. And this is what Proverbs are supposed to grant. This is what they grant to us. Then verse five, he says, to, under, uh, to let 
the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain, um, obtain guidance. So the Proverbs is promising us an increase in learning and guidance. I know nothing about ships, but if I didn't know something about ships, then as I read Proverbs, it would give me uh, a greater ability to navigate that ship. I know where I am, I know where I want to go, and I have the wisdom to, to, to navigate, to orient my life and that ship in the direction that God is, is beckoning me to come. And so this is all the things that Proverbs are after for us as we give ourselves to this book. Let's ask ourselves another question. Who's this book for? It tells us that in verse 4 and 5. Again, verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. The word simple there is the word naive. It's, it's you know, someone that's naive, I mean, they're just, uh, they're just trying to figure life out. They, they don't have the experience of, of knowing, okay? And so it... Um, the Proverbs help us out if you just have no idea of, of how life is and you avail yourself to it and you're getting wisdom uh, brought to you. You can be of any age and be naive. OK, and it's not wrong to be naive. I'm naive about a lot of things. Uh, really, some of the things in our culture I'm naive about. But um, sometimes being naive will set you at a disadvantage in the culture that we live in. He's also talking about the young. Look at this. Those that don't have a lot of miles under them can read the Proverbs and gain wisdom that they haven't been afforded to just because they don't have the experience of life to get that. And then verse five, he's addressing the wise. And this is what he's saying. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise. I mean, you can have gray hair. The Bible says that the sign of gray hair is a sign of wisdom. But there are some people who have gray hair who have no, I mean, no hint of wisdom in them at all. And that probably shouldn't be. But he's saying those who even are older can glean from this book and gain wisdom. And if you have wisdom, you can gain more because no one masters this book, because no one masters life. There's room for all of us to grow. Again, Ray Ortland, uh, a commentator on Proverbs, says Solomon encourages us not to die before we die. Which means don't put your life in a neutral and just coast if you're older and you're supposed to be wiser. I mean, put the pedal to the metal and glean all that you can so that you're seeking God for all of your life. Um, wisdom isn't high IQ. Just because you're a rocket scientist or a doctor or a lawyer, I'm not picking on you doctors and lawyers in the room, forgive me. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily wise. And so, I mean, what does the proverb say wisdom is? Here's what, here's what it is. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the theme of this, of this book. This is the thing that, this is the main thing that, that, that Solomon is writing to his sons to glean, that they would learn wisdom, but here's the greatest wisdom that all of us can have, is fearing the Lord. Fear doesn't mean that you're afraid of God, as if you're cowering down, uh, that he's going to, you know, you know, take you out if you do anything, anything bad. Fear has a different connotation. Fear means that you're reverencing God, that you're in awe of him and his creation. Fear means, fearing the Lord means that you're submissive to God in, in every area of your life. It's a foundational eagerness to glorify God. It's a position of your heart whereby you don't want to dishonor God. That's what it means to fear him. You aren't being dragged along, you know, Against your will, somebody making you glorify God. 
you're eager to do it. If you, if you want to understand the universe, this is where you start. Uh, here's an important concept. Wisdom is not a what, it's a who. The Bible points to us that wisdom is personified in a human being. Wisdom has put flesh and bone on. It has legs and arms, and on the end of the hands it has fingernails. And of course, we learn that that wisdom has been animated in the person, the person of Jesus. Jesus is our wisdom. And so if we really want to understand wisdom, we really need to understand Jesus. He's the living, breathing animation of all that wisdom is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 30, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What's Paul saying? Jesus is the proverbial man. He, he's a walking, talking proverb. He's the ultimate uh, wise man. I like to, in Revelations where it says Jesus in his, in his return is going to have brilliant white hair. You know, I can't prove this in scripture, but I think what that replicates is, uh, represents is Jesus is the wisest of us all. I mean, there's no one more wise than him. He, I mean, he's got it and he's coming back to uh, like lay down some of that wisdom on all of, his, all of our enemies. Jesus also says in Matthew 12, the queen of the south will come from the south, uh, uh, will come from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And then he says, behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus in the New Testament is commending himself as the ultimate proverb. I mean, he's a walking, talking um, body of wisdom. Not only that, he lived the Proverbs perfectly. Jesus would have done everything that the Proverbs commend to us, and he would have refrained from everything that the Proverbs warns us against in regards to the life that we live. Proverbs, uh, in its body, in the Old Testament, as a genre of literature, reflects the life of Christ. And that really is more than anything why you should treasure this book. Why? Because it's pointing you to Jesus. What's the reason why we should get wisdom? Because when you get wisdom, you get Jesus. As a Christian, Christ-likeness should be our goal. I mean, in everything that we do, we're trying to be more um, fashioned more by the Holy Spirit in the image of Jesus. And so this is what Proverbs is doing, is showing us what Christ is like. These aren't just pity sayings. Uh, they are the power of a Jesus honoring life. And so wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but there's also one more thing that wisdom is. Wisdom is skill. That's what the word means in Hebrew. It's, it's used in the Old Testament in various ways. It's used as a, a soldier going to war. It's used of the intricate uh, nature that the, the temple and all those things that were consecrated in the temple uh, were, were made by uh, gifted men. It's used of the musicians and the music that David commissioned to to play music for the temple as part of its worship. Wisdom is skill in living life. It's you being able to, um, to, to navigate the schematic of your life so that you would do what the, the chief end of your life is, to bring glory to God. Wisdom is Christ-empowered skill to live life for the glory of God. That, I mean, that's a good phrase. That's, I mean, that's... I mean, that's a contrived definition, but it's a good definition. Because a lot of times we can try to get wise in and of ourselves. We can get book knowledge. We can get knowledge of the world. We can get knowledge from culture. But this is suggesting that ultimately the wisest, um, li the wisest life you can live, the wisest knowledge that you can incur for yourself 
comes from Jesus. It's not living your life wisely from your own, um, from that for which you gain for yourself. It's, it's being empowered by Jesus to live a wise life to the glory of God. And that really is what Paul commends to us. He says in Galatians, uh, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who, lived, who lives in me. In a sense, the, the life that you, you live, because you've died to Christ, you're living it through the power of Jesus. Jesus is our wisdom. And because Jesus is our wisdom, the, the picture you should have is when Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin, what he died for was for all the foolish stuff that you've done. And this is, this is a great exchange. Jesus on the cross takes our idiocy and our foolishness and all those stupid things that we've done or that we have the propensity to do, and he gives us this beautiful exchange. He gives us the righteousness of God and sanctification and redemption, Paul says. But guess what he also gives us? He, he offers us his wisdom, his way of seeing the world and his life. I mean, is that your priority? I mean, would you would you say that as if you played back the the if we played back your life on a movie screen? I mean, would you say that there is a narrative of you seeking God's wisdom for your everyday life? Well, if not, you know, this is what the Bible commends. It, it commends getting wisdom. Proverbs four seven. This is where wisdom begins. This this sounds kind of redundant. Give me Proverbs four seven. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. And that sounds kind of weird. It's like, all right, so Lord, I don't know where to start. Where do I start? Get wisdom. So what this is saying is, all right, the start place, if you have nothing wise about you at all, is just to, to make a declaration to yourself. And to maybe, maybe all those that know you, I'm going to get a little wisdom. I'm going to start right here. Actually, the, probably the best place to start is fearing the Lord, of submitting all of your life to, to, to the God that controls your life. And then say, Lord, all right, so I'm submitted to you. I'm, gonna re- you know, I'm coming to you in re- repentance and faith. And, and because I'm foolish and idiotic and a little stupid, I need some wisdom. That's what he's commending to us. And doing that, doing that to the glory of God. How much better to get wisdom than the, than the wisdom we get from Facebook? I mean, Facebook, I, you know, it's love-hate. I, there's some good things on Facebook. But don't. Don't settle for social media wisdom when you can get wisdom, divine wisdom from God in the book that he gives us. Solomon really is reorienting what he what we value. He's saying, listen to the Bible's advice and accept its instruction. Why? That you may gain wisdom for your future. And so here's as I close, this is a warning and an exhortation. This is Jesus warning. He says the wise man builds his house on the rock, not on the sand. Because the storms of life are going to come. And these aren't just physical storms. It's the storm that comes at the end of the age where you haven't received Jesus' command and obeyed that command. And so his warning is, here's wisdom personified in in the Son of God. And he invites you to receive of him that he might gift you with righteousness, his wisdom. And here's the exhortation to walk in wisdom and to obey it, to, to not only just memorize and hide these, these words, these proverbs in your heart that you might not sin against God, but to adorn them like a pendant around your neck, to make them a graceful garland around your head. To walk in wisdom is to walk with Jesus. But here's the last thing. There's a warning, there's an exhortation, but there's also an invitation. And it's an invitation 
for those of you who lack wisdom to begin, I mean, to, to, to start a new beginning. And that's the cool thing about Christianity is that we always can ask God for a new beginning. Whether you've been in Christ for, uh, uh, you know, 20 years or for a day, you can always ask God to let you start again. Perhaps the whole arc of your life looks like just a bunch of folly and foolishness. And I would say whether you're simple and naive or you're uh, an old person that has a little bit of wisdom or you're one that has a lot, uh, you know, a lot of wisdom, then there's uh, an opportunity for you simply to begin again. How do we do that? Well, the Proverbs, Proverbs 7, uh, 1, 7 says it. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can begin to gain God's wisdom by submitting yourself to the Lord, by fearing him, by, uh, by offering your whole life to God and asking him to give you wisdom. If you're a Christian, then what a great day to, to come to God in repentance and faith. Say, Lord, you know what? I'm not even a Christian, but I want to live a wise life. And the Lord would come back to you and say, the wisest life that you could live is that you would fear the Lord and walk with him. Submit all your life to him in repentance and faith, turning from your sin and then turning to God. And if you've been in, in the Lord for a long time, then today is an offer for you, is an invitation really, for you to get a wise life by, by taking this everlasting gobstopper stopper of Proverbs and sucking on it and letting those nutrients leak into your body so that you would hear it, do it, hear it, do it, repeat all the days of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that can only come from you. Lord, we're smart people here in this room. Uh, we're book smart. Some of us are culturally smart. Um, Lord, more than being smart and knowledgeable and just having a, a wherewithal about uh, our world, God, we want to be wise. And uh, Lord, there's only one way to be wise, and that's to be wise in you. So Jesus... Um, you commend yourself to us as the personification of wisdom. You're like uh, the man who is, uh, no, you are the rock. And you beckon us to be not like the fool who builds his house, who structures his whole life on the sand, and who subjects that life to a storm coming by and destroying it all. You instead encourage us Build your foundation on the rock. Build your foundation on the, the, the exact animation of wisdom in our world, and that's on you. So, Lord, we, uh, we hear your call. God, give us courage to, to fear you. Teach us how to do that, and we pray that as we do, that we would do as the Proverbs said, that we would get wisdom, that we would drop all the smarts that we have about us, and they would seek you and the wisdom that only you can give. And we pray that in Jesus' name.